Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 447. I'm Tom Maluli and I'm stealing my host, my co-host, Tim Maluli's intro. I'm very sorry about that. It's okay. Sharing is caring. So today we wanted to talk about volatility. Volatility is bad. Is it? Well, we're led to believe that it's bad. Right. So volatility is something that tends to strike fear into the into the eyes of anyone who reads it, the individual investor out there, volatility. Oh no. What should we do about it? We got to do something about it. But I feel like volatility gets a bad rep because a lot of people only focus on the negative side of of volatility and there's a there's a whole other much better side to think about when you in terms of volatility. Volatility means that prices are going down and up. There's no um, indication just hearing the word volatility, what direction or if it's good or bad. Um, so yeah, it could be positive. It could be negative. It's just prices fluctuating around a certain trend line or, or you know, where the market was the day before or where it started the, the year or whatever the yardstick is. It's just fluctuation is another term for volatility. Before we dig into some additional comments that we've written about and talked about here in the office, just as a reminder to our listeners that it seems like our entire industry is skewed towards saying volatility is bad. I mean, for goodness sakes, the VIX index, which stands for the volatility index, is also called... The, the fear index or the fear gauge. So people use what's going on with the VIX to kind of gauge how worried people are in the market. And I guess in one, one sense you could use it that way, but it also would work in the inverse as well. So um, the, the other side, the positive side of, of that usually is never discussed. And while we're on the topic... The VIX index is a measure of put buying. So when you buy a put on something, you are betting on a price decline. And so what the VIX index does is it measures how many puts have been bought recently, today, or expiring this month. So people are making bets that things are going to go down. That in itself is usually a pretty good contra-opposite indicator. When the VIX is high, it usually means that things are about to settle down. At least that's how I interpret that. Yeah, that definitely the logic there tracks for sure. Yeah. I mean, when, when we're thinking about volatility, the only reason that people make money in the market is because volatility exists. If there was no volatility in the market, no one would make any money because there would be no risk. Um, if, you, if you're thinking about a chart for the market or for any, any investment out there, I don't think any of them go perfectly straight up and to the right. Uh, they go, generally speaking, if you zoom out far enough, the trend is moving up and to the right. But along the way, you're going up, down, sideways, 
you know, and any which direction uh, ultimately to get you to where you want to go. But the reason that you're making money is because you're taking some risk with your investments. One of the best analogies I heard, and uh, this is a picture that we can use on a podcast because no one can see it. But one of the best analogies I've ever heard was if you want to get an idea of what the market looks like, picture a kid putting a yo-yo up and down, and he is at the same time walking up a hill. Right. So in the, when you zoom out, the bigger picture is the kid's walking up a hill. And when you zoom in, you see that yo-yo going up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, those are the daily moves. Right. in the market is the up and down nature of the yo-yo but ultimately the trend and, and and the long-term success of the market is where the kid gets to at the top of the top of the hill so we uh saw that uh the market apparently was trying to put in a bottom in october of last year mm -hmm. Uh, the problem is most people don't realize that that may have been a short-term bottom until we are way past that. Yeah, you can only see it after the fact. Yeah, I, th I mean, since then, the market, you know, the S&P, uh, if you're using the S&P 500 as a proxy for the market in general, uh, it's, it's made 20% back since then. So this year in general has, has been pretty good as well. Uh, but going all the way back to October, yeah, you're we're 20% off the lows. Whether it's a short-term or a long-term low, like you mentioned, we're not going to know for a while now. It's interesting when we talk about volatility, if you zoom out a little bit and look at, say, what five, eight, ten years look like, uh, volatility, volatility can work for you and not necessarily against you, we've met a lot of folks over the years who have said, I, I, I would love to be in the markets while things are going well, but I really, I don't want to take the hits. I'm getting too old. I can't take the hits anymore. Right. But the, I, I think when it comes to compounding larger returns over time, you have to be in there for the hits. Yeah. I, I think also... You know, we, we saw this bottom in October, um, but how many people from October until even last week didn't believe that the market would, this, this can't, they can't keep going up. It, right. you know, this recovery is not real. We're going to test new lows. We're going to break through these lows again. And then before you know it, now we're seeing headlines about how bullish this market is. This, this, this bullish market has, has legs. Right. You know that. And now everyone seems to start to believe the fact that, you know, things actually might be more bullish than people thought. Uh, their preconceived notions of what 2023 was going to be uh, didn't didn't pan out. Didn't really materialize. Yeah. And that doesn't say that the next six months of 2023 are going to be the same as the last six months or, we, you know, we don't we don't Hard know. But the point is. It's hard to tell. Exactly. <laughs> That's the point. It's very hard to tell. So, But we do have history on our side. And uh, a stat that we both read recently showed that 
for the last 10 years ending May 31st. So the last 10 years, so 2014 through 2023, mm-hmm. the market has returned 12% a year, 12% a year. And the average decline, the average annual decline, meaning at least once a year, the average drop in the market, about 13%. So if you can't perfectly time when you want uh, to, to get in and out of the markets and you know sidestep these 13% annual declines, uh, you're going to miss out on the 12% annual returns that we've been seeing for the last 10 years. That kind of meshes nicely with a stat that I have used so many times that over the last 90 years, going back to the 1930s, over the last 90 years, we have had 89 declines of 10% or more. So about once a year, we go through a 10% pullback in the market. Yeah. It is not the end of the world. No, definitely not. I mean, almost the opposite. 12% a year for a decade is pretty darn good. So uh, yeah, I would say that definitely is not the end of the world. And I think it's important to remember that not every single investment has the same level of volatility. There's different ways to mitigate the risk of downside volatility. It comes at a price of capping your upside volatility. Uh, So that's why it's important to know how much exposure you have to investments that have different levels of volatility. Stocks are more volatile than bonds. And bonds are more volatile than money sitting in the bank, cash. Right. So finding a nice... Let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, cash. You know, people are... How do you uh, describe this? People are getting a little more excited that they're not earning zero at the bank. They're actually getting a, they're getting a nominal return. I mean, you may find 4% on a CD. You might even find 5% on a very short-term CD. Let me ask you a question, though. If they're getting 4% on a CD, what was the latest CPI reading? 4.2. Okay. All right. So... You're not keeping up with inflation. <laughs> exactly. Even or, at 4%. Or that's exactly what you're doing. You're just barely cracking, breaking even on keeping up with inflation. Well, if it's in a taxable account, you're not. Because right. then you're paying taxes on it, and mm-hmm. then you're falling further behind. Yeah. So cash doesn't rally right. like, a, like bonds or stocks. So it it's definitely better than a situation where you know, inflation is at 4.2% and you're earning 0% at the bank, then you're losing money. Uh, So it's nice that, yeah, interest rates on CDs and some online savings banks are, you know, pushing 4%, maybe up to 5%. That's, it's a good thing. I, you know, you just want to pour a little cold water on the frenzy of, you know, CDs are, are, the hottest thing, you know, we, we saw I-bonds keeping up with inflation last year. And it's... That was yeah. a supernova that uh, came onto the scene for a few months, exploded, and has gone away. But even those things, it's like the I-bonds were returning 9% when inflation was 
eight nine percent so right, right. <laughs> these things are set for a reason it's it, you're not there's yeah. not some game plan to trick the system and get free money you know, free money yeah exactly right. there's no free yeah. lunch yeah the thing i always talk about with folks is you know if you get a six month investment like an i bond or even a cd and it pays say you get a cd now and it's paying a six month cd and say it's it's paying i don't know five percent that's two and a half percent over the years five per, time. Right, the five percent is, is annual is an annual rate. Yeah, it's only for six months. Yeah. So, so let's talk about bonds. You know, we talked about cash and the fact that cash will usually be close to whatever the rate of inflation is. So, if inflation is one percent, you can expect that we're going to get zero or one percent. On your money, safe money. Right. If inflation is three percent, you're probably going to get two or three percent on your safe money. But bonds, a little different. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So bonds are a little more volatile. You know, obviously cash is not volatile at all. Bonds are a little less volatile than stocks, but. Bonds have actually returned a, I don't want to say a premium, but they've they've mm-hmm. given a positive return when you look at inflation. Since 1950, bonds in general have yielded or you've gotten about five and a half percent gross returns, take into account the three percent on average, you know, over that time span of inflation. So you're getting that real return of about two and a half percent. Definitely not the big upside of a stock or equity investment. Uh, it's not Scrooge McDuck swimming in, in yeah, dollar bills. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but it's definitely earning more than just sticking your money in cash or in a CD or in a bank account. I think it's also important to to point out that the numbers that Tim just quoted go back to 1950. So we're talking about over 70 years of data where the average rate of inflation, 3%. Right. So I'll just make my little editorial here. Our friends, our friends at the Fed want to get the annual rate of inflation down to 2%. Mm-hmm. Not sure why. They say that they want to, the goal is to get it to 2%. I think they would be okay with 3%. The goal is 2%. That's the carrot in front of them. We always, You always want to be working towards a goal. You're never satisfied with what, what's going on. But if things run from 1950 to 2022 and 2023 as an average of 3%, I think that that's, they'll, they'll be okay with that. Well, let's hope so. Uh, because otherwise, they're going to have to continue to raise rates higher and higher uh, to get to that kind of target. The thing that always bothers me is that, you know, if they set a target of 2%, have they told us what they're going to do when they get to 2%? When inflation gets to 2%, first of all, the economy may be in the ditch. Mm-hmm. We don't know. But they may say, hey, you know what? We had so much success. We're, we're going to try and get inflation down to 1%. Right. That That's partially my point too it's like yeah the the goal in air quotes the goal is two percent like that would be great but do they actually realistically expect that we could get to two percent without taking extremely even more drastic uh measures to get there i don't know 
I don't know either. Because the way that things are trending right now, if, you know, if we were at 4%, you know, here in, in, in May or in, you know, getting that reading in June, then, I mean, from where the, the peak was last year, we're well on our way back down cut. to the average. We're extre- been cut in half. We're extremely close to the average from 1950 through 2023. So <laughs> yeah. we're pretty much, as we have said on previous podcasts and videos and blog posts and everything in between, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to get there. So. So we've talked about cash, how that is your safe money is going to be at or near the rate of inflation, how bonds are historically going to return a little bit more than inflation. Let's talk about stocks. Yeah. So using that same time frame, going back from to, to 1950, uh, stocks, equities in general have annualized uh, about 11% a year using that 3% average inflation, you're getting about you know 8% after inflation a year uh, since 1950. So significantly is... more than cash and even significantly more than bonds. So that's where the, the stock equity premium comes in there. I know that it's not scientific and they're not directly attached at the hips, but it was about a year ago that the rate of inflation was 8 9%. If we were to tack 8% on top of an 8 or 9% inflation rate, we'd be at 16 or 17%. The S&P 500 is up 20%. Wow, that works pretty well. Yeah. It does it's not scientific. It's not going to move in a straight line, but I know that we said on podcasts and videos last year and in writing with uh Correspondence, we were saying that your patience is going to be rewarded. That after we have bad years or sloppy years in the market, like 2022 certainly was, we usually have some type of recovery and your patience will be rewarded. And also, you know, if you're in a retirement plan at work and you're putting money in on a, you know, in every paycheck into your retirement plan, you're really going to reap some rewards. Uh, by doing things like that. Yeah, so. I think, uh, you know, the, the type of investing that we do for people, the long term, you're always going to be rewarded for keeping that long term mindset because we've quoted the numbers a ton of times on the podcast here. But the longer you give your investments to do their thing, the more you're going to be rewarded for just sitting tight, not trying to time the market and just holding on through the bumpy times, through the volatility, there's that word again. Right. So volatility in our industry has a negative connotation. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Yeah, the media tends to play it up because it adds drama to what they're talking about on on the news. And it it, it drives eyeballs and clicks to their articles and to their videos that's their job. That is their business. And it's our job to let you know that sometimes, most of the time, what they say on TV, probably not the best advice to follow. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I think that's a good message to wrap up episode 447. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests 
are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.